Thank you, Wallstrom's. Apologize up front for my voice. I've been talking a lot this weekend. I had a couple from Watoma come up that I'm doing their wedding in, in uh, October. So they were coming up for the premarital counseling thing. So spending a whole weekend doing that, imagine that, right? So my voice is gone because I did a lot of yelling. You just got to put it out there. and <laughs> They'll be all right, though. They'll be all right. Um, <laughs> not really. We just did a lot of talking, that's all. We just did a lot of talking. So <clears throat> in any case, I feel, I feel it in my throat this morning. But um, uh, anyway... We want to transition a little bit from Easter and from the Jesus questions we were looking at last month and start a new series called Cojourners. And uh, the idea behind Cojourners, I realize Cojourner is not a word, but it is actually an idea that everyone is on a, <clears throat> excuse me, on a spiritual journey and uh, we want to come alongside people and share Christ with them. We want to journey with people. We want to do life with people. So that's the idea of a co Journer. I didn't make that up either. That's not my created word. It's it's a word that I've read about, and and I really love that idea. So the idea this month is how do we share our faith with the people around us? How do we do that? Let's get let's get practical for a month, okay? This morning though will be more of the motivation. Why are we doing this? What's the point of all of this? This this evangelism because it can be hard. So what I wanted to do this morning was start with a look at the book of Jonah. So I invite you to grab your Bible in the, uh, for, from the pew, whatever you've got with you, and go to Jonah, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 4. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, right? Um, let's see. That's page 655 in, in your blue Bibles from the pew. Or are they black? I'm not sure. Uh, 655. Now, uh, this is Jonah chapter 4, so obviously we're, I'm not doing the whole book of Jonah. Some, someday I'd like to preach through Jonah because it's a wonderful book to look at. There's so much there to, to kind of dig into. But um, Jonah's pretty famous, so I feel like every, everybody that's here could probably just catch up because you've done this in Sunday school. I remember Jonah in my Sunday school days at Grace Presbyterian Church because I remember being downstairs and, and they converted the hallway into a great fish, you know. So it was like a whale. And I remember as a kid walking through the mouth of the whale in the hallway and you're walking down the hallway, which is kind of like the inside of the whale. I mean, that's pretty cool, you know. But, but you know Jonah as the story of a prophet. He's a minor prophet in the Bible, meaning it's a shorter book. And, uh, and God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh capital of the Assyrian Empire. These are bad people who, who did atrocious things to their, their, the people that they were fighting in wars. These, this was Israel's enemy, you know. And if I was to recount, I remember being in a class once where the professor said some of the things that Assyrians would do to their captives, and I thought, that's not Sunday morning appropriate, that's R-rated, you know. So the, these people were pretty despicable people. Okay, and uh, Jonah did not, not had, had no love for them. But God says, go to Nineveh. I want you to tell them what I will give you to say. Jonah's like, no way, I'm going the opposite direction. He gets on a boat and leaves. You know how it goes. As a storm comes up and the sailors figure out by casting lots that Jonah's the guy that God's mad at. Well, let's get rid of him. So they throw him in the drink and, and, and the fish 
giant fish, whether it's a whale or whatever it is, or, or some, a creature God made specifically for the occasion, uh, swallows Jonah. Jonah's in there three days, three nights. And when the fish fi- finally spews him out, a more humbled Jonah is called again to go to God, by God to go to Nineveh. And this time, he obeys and he goes in. And it says, uh, if, if you want to go through Nineveh, it takes about three days. But on day one, Jonah goes in there and starts telling people, in 40 days, God's going to flatten the city. You know, that, that's all he says. This place is going to be gone. God's going to destroy it. I mean, the Bible tells us that's pretty much all he said. Judgment. That's it. It's not like he even proclaimed an escape that we know of. He didn't say repent that we know of. But after one day of going through the city, people start repenting. And apparently they didn't even know, I mean, they didn't even need their sins pointed out. I mean, like they just knew. Like this guy says, God's going to judge you and flatten your city. And they're like, we know why. This is bad. (laughs) And they repent. I mean, don't you just wish that's the way it went with us? You know, you're talking to somebody and be like, you need Christ, you're a sinner. Oh, I know, I've done hundreds of things, but sometimes we get defensive. But these people, not so much. They just knew it. We're sinners. We deserve this. And so they repent. And then after the first day, news gets back to the king that this repentance party is in full swing, right? And he finds out. Oh, people are repenting. I've got to repent too. And so he declares a fast. And he puts on his sackcloth instead of his royal robes and, and tells everybody to repent in the city, just in case anyone didn't hear about it. And the city repents. And God holds back his judgment from the city. It says he relents, changes his mind, which he reserves the right to do when sinners repent. And Jonah is mad about it. Now, uh, I think, I'm thinking about when I was a kid, I, I don't remember this part of the story being very prominent during Sunday school, the idea that Jonah's kind of a lousy prophet, you know. And uh, I remember it in VeggieTales pretty well. I mean, he was kind of despicable there too, you know. Um, you got, they did a good job, you know, with those fish slappers and Jonah trying to tell them to stop. And it's not nice to slap people with fish. And, uh, but... But it, growing up, I didn't hear that part of the story. I remember one of the first times, I don't know how old I was, but I, I read the end of Jonah and I was like, oh, this guy's not too nice. And the story really is, don't be like Jonah, you know. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. And uh, which uh, is what we're going to look at this morning to kick off this month of, how do I share my faith? How can I not be like Jonah in some ways, <laughs> in major ways? So um, let's look at Jonah chapter 4. Verse 1. Jonah, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to Yahweh, Oh Yahweh, isn't this what I said when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity Now, O Yahweh, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But Yahweh replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then Yahweh, God, provided a vine and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. 
But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and he said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But Yahweh said, You've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? The end. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. It'd probably be good if I had my notes out this morning, right? Okay, there we are. (laughs) I just want to make a couple simple observations about Jonah. I mean, it really goes to the basics, but the basics of chapter 4 are really profound, I I think. The basics are profound. Just a couple observations about Jonah, chapter 4. Number one, Jonah hated the Ninevites. He hated them. If you're taking notes from your bulletin, that you could pull that out. That's number one. He hated the Ninevites. Uh, Literally, chapter 4, verse 1 says, uh, I'll I'll read a literal translation from Hebrew. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I can read literal translations pretty well in English. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) here it is. Young's uh, literal translation of the Hebrew. It is grievous unto Jonah a great evil, and he is displeased at it. It is grievous unto Jonah, a great evil, and he is displeased at it. Did, did you hear that? A great evil. Like, like Jonah is, is thinking, it's just not right that God lets them off the hook. It's not fair. It's like Jonah knows who God is, and, and, and he says it in this passage, He's actually quoting Exodus 34. Do I have that in the notes? I don't remember. Exodus 34. He actually quotes from uh, the Torah. And and this is Moses wanting to see God's glory. And uh, God is passing in front of Moses, declaring who he is. This is God saying, at my essence, this is who I am. In other words, God is an infinite being. There's so many ways he could describe himself. But this is how he wants to describe himself. To Moses who really wants to see who he is. And it says, he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. You see, God is thinking about who he is and how he wants to proclaim himself to a finite human being that's trying to understand who this vast, infinite God is. And this is what he chooses to say about himself. I am loving, I am merciful, I am compassionate. To how many people? To thousands. To thousands. But I'm also just. And so I'm not going to let the sin go. I'm not letting it go. And in fact, often when parents sin... They pass their sin on to their kids. And those kids pass the sin on to their kids. 
third and fourth generation down. You've got an alcoholic who passes it on to the kids, who pass it on to their kids. You've got an abusive person who passes it on to their kids. They say, I'll never do that. But then they start doing that and they can't stop doing that. And they pass it on to their kids. The sins of the parents often visit the kids, which is sober every single parent in this room. I know it does me. Um, but, But God is a God who doesn't... It's not that His main desire is to punish. Because clearly He says... I want to maintain love to thousands. I, I, want to, I want to proclaim it to a huge number of people. I'm a forgiving God. I desire none to perish, says uh, Paul's letter to Timothy. Right? Chapter 1. I, I, want, I want everyone to repent. That's my desire. I don't want to come as a wrathful God. I want to come as a merciful God. But don't get me wrong. I do have wrath and I do have judgment. Don't mistake that. Just because I'm incredibly merciful. If you don't repent. And so Jonah is basically saying to God, God, I know Exodus. I I know it. I've read it. And I knew you were going to do this. You know, he's like, that's why I got on the ship. Because I didn't want to give these nasty fish slappers, or whatever they were doing, (laughs) a chance to repent. I didn't want to give them a shot. And here I am proclaiming judgment, and here I am sitting outside the city, and I'm sure it was like, uh, I mean, in my, my impression of it is it's kind of like a Sodom and Gomorrah moment, right? You know, he's sitting out there going, bring the fire, you know? Send the fire down. Let's, let's flatten the city. I'm waiting. And, and God doesn't do it. And so, I struggle with this, and... Uh, because I've, I've preached this text before, and, and, I, and I love this text because of the challenges it, is, it does to my life. And I used to think pretty strongly that Jonah is just a selfish guy, you know? That, that, that if I insert myself into this story, I mean, if I'm Jonah and I have a heart like this, I would think for me it would look like this. It would be like, I've escaped judgment, the judgment of God. I've canceled my ticket for fire, and I, I want other people to do the same, but uh, maybe some people I don't mind being judged by God. You know, maybe some people I feel like they deserve it, and so I, don't, I would rather them not. But I, I used to kind of read that into Jonah, but, but instead, when, I, when I'm struggling with the interpretation of what's going on in Jonah's heart, I wonder if it's not selfishness, but self-righteousness. I, I don't know how you would struggle with that too, you know, when you go home and you can think about this passage. But I wonder if Jonah is just that self-righteous that, that he, he thinks, because there's passages in the Old Testament that says, when you go into the land, God says, don't think that my righteousness has given me all of this prosperity and these blessings. Don't think it's because of your righteousness, God says. And so I, I wonder if Jonah walked into the self-righteous trap where it's like, I deserve blessing, I deserve honor from God, and I'm a pretty good person. You know, I'm pretty good. Have you seen my kids? Have you seen my wife? I mean, these are wonderful people. Have you seen what I do? Uh, I'm a pastor. I'm a pretty good person. And, and, and God hates that. He hates that attitude of, I am deserving of this. He honors the person that beats on their chest and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm lousy, you know. I'm tempted. I fail. And 
I wonder if that is where Jonah really goes wrong. Where he's, he's waiting for judgment because he knows those Ninevites are violent, vicious people who oppose the people of God, Israel. And so he wants them to get what's coming to them. They're not the righteous ones like him. And God says, have you any right to be angry? And I wonder if God asking him that, have you any right to be angry? Again, it's kind of God's way of saying, should I be angry at you, Jonah? I mean, I told you to go to Nineveh, and you sinned against my direct revelation and went the other way. Isn't that sin too? And these people don't even know their right hand from their left. Sorry, that's right hand. Right hand from their left. <laughs> it's a long weekend. <laughs> Um, and uh, I wonder if that's God you know should you be angry about this really after all the mercy I've shown you I could have had the whale digest you for goodness sake that's what what you could have deserved you would have deserved that here's my question then Uh, I think it's in italics on your notes have we hated lost people by not sharing the gospel with them? Have we hated our neighbors? Have we hated our co-workers? Have we hated our friends and our family because we haven't spoken up about how to escape the judgment of God? Which begs the question, do you believe in the judgment of God? Think about Revelation. I hope we have that text to show you as well. I think I put it in there. Yes. This is is the scene of judgment. This is a picture. uh, It's wonderful and and, and frightening. It's wonderful that God has given us previews. I mean, you think about, when I go to movies, I'm one of those people that like previews. You know, I like this. Unless, Unless they're inappropriate then of course i don't but if it's a movie that i want to see and they show me the preview i love it it's like that's cool i want to see what's coming up uh this is a preview of something that's really going to happen okay and and it's it's more than a fictional story that we get excited about this is really going to happen and it says revelation 20 verse 11 then i saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And when we think about that passage, you ought to be thinking of someone's face that that gets burned into your mind and says, there's a person that I know that's going to be living Revelation 20. They're going to be standing there. It's it's not going to be just something Revelation 20 which, which is that crazy book that scares people and they don't want to read it. It's going to be literal. They're, they're there before Christ. And, and then this, these books are opened and, and Christ reads from their sins. I don't know how long it'll take, but it only takes one. 
And then it's judgment. And it says they're thrown into the lake of fire. And, and, I, and I've struggled with that. I, I'll probably, I'm going to do Revelation this fall. I'm planning on preaching through that. And uh, Lord willing, of course. And, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to spend a, a, a sermon on, on the nature of hell. But, but just some of the struggles that I have with, with the nature of hell is, you know, is, is it literal fire or is it figurative fire? You know, because, because uh, obviously if it's literal fire, then you have an indestructible body that, that Christ is going to give unbelievers and they're going to be burned forever. Or I say it's a figurative fire and somehow it, God's punishment is going to match their crimes. I like the figurative fire a little more because it says whatever that's like, whatever that punishment is like, it's horrible because the symbol is fire. But, but whatever that really is like, it's going to fit the crime. God is a just judge. Jesus talks about some people getting beaten with more blows than other people get beaten in, in the judgment. You know, heavier beating. So I, I don't know what that is or what that's like. I just know that if it uses the figure of fire, I think it's God's way of saying, you don't want to be there. I'm trying to give you an image you can wrap your mind around. Lake of fire. No, you don't want to be there. And you don't want your friends to be there, your family to be there. You should weep over them. You don't want that for them. And the question is, if we don't tell them, have we hated them? I want to show you a video um, by a well-known atheist named uh, Penn Gillette. Uh, Penn and Teller are, it's, it's a show, uh, two guys that have a show in Las Vegas, I believe. Uh, kind of a magic show and comedy and di- different things that they do. Um, these guys are outspoken against the Bible. I mean, they, they call the Bible swear words, so let's just let's put that out there. These, these are not guys that that love the faith. But uh, I want to show you a video where um, Penn Gillette has uh, interaction with a believer after one of his shows. So if we have that ready, we'll play that for about five minutes and then we'll come back to the text.
So <clears throat> I do this thing in my heart where um, I say, do, do I want to put the, the H word out there? Do I want to talk about hell with the people that I, that I share with? Do I want to lay that on them, try to scare them? And uh, I, w- I was wrestling with that this week. Uh, because uh, there's uh, there's a performance of uh, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames in Rhinelander at the at the high school tonight, tomorrow, and uh, and also Tuesday at seven o'clock. And uh, I thought, do I recommend that? Do I not recommend that? What do I do with that? And, and as I meditated on that this week, because I'm one of those people where it's like I get scared because I don't want to I don't want to talk about hell and then have people uh, have people just get scared of it. And so it's like they're, they're scared of hell, but, and, and they kind of like, they pray to Jesus, they don't get to go to hell, then they never really start loving Jesus, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm scared of hell, but I don't really love Jesus, I just want to not go there. I want to keep doing all the stuff I normally do and be forgiven, and, and, but I'm not really loving Jesus and trying to follow him. And that's like faith without works, which we know is dead. A faith, a faith like that can't save you. Says James. Uh, <clears throat> so... I struggle with that, but, but I, I kind of come down on it this way, I feel like. I mean, I've kind of wrestled with that all week, thinking about that question. And where I'm at right now is, I feel like, um, hell's a real place. Hell's hot, and we've got to keep people from going there. We just have to. We have to tell people one day they're going to stand before God in judgment. And if heaven's gates, hell's flames does that and puts some fear in people, my prayer is that if you, if you take them, that you have the conversation afterwards. You know, you have the conversation. <clears throat> it's, it's not like, I remember uh, <clears throat> in uh, growing up and, and uh, they had a, they had a, a class on, on uh, uh, reproductive issues at my church. I'll put it that way, okay? Birds and the bees, we'll put it out there. And uh, I, I know parents took their kids to that. I was there at that. And I know kids whose parents wanted them to hear all of the basics of life. Here's how it all works. But then the parent didn't want to follow up later. You know, I don't want to talk about it with you. You know, I don't want to. That's just too awkward. That's why I took you to the class. Right? I mean, the class is good. That's a wonderful thing. But, but parents obviously need to give some input here. So um, I'm recommending Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. But if you take, I've seen it before, just so you know, too. It is moving. It is emotional. If you take someone tonight, tomorrow, or the next night, 7 p.m. at Rhinelander High School Auditorium, you've got to talk to them. You just have to talk to them. Because it's one thing to be scared of hell and say, I don't want to go there. It's another thing to say, I'm going to follow Christ. Because His path is the path to life. I'm putting my faith in Him. I've counted the cost. I'm in. And uh, I I encourage you that if you go that route and take someone, that you would have that follow-up conversation. That's what ought to happen. Another thing about uh, Penn Jillette that, that, that strikes me as, you know, just, it just hits me as the awkwardness issue. He says, you know, we don't share because it makes us feel awkward. Well, let's look at Jonah again, very quickly. <clears throat> uh, let's see, where are we at? Uh, it says in verse 6, The Lord God provided a vine and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. 
Okay, so, so God causes this plant to grow over Jonah and it shades him from the heat of the sun. While he's hoping the city roasts, he's happy that his head is not roasting. You, you, get, you get the uh, humor here, right? The irony. And then God says, you, you care about my grace on you and the plant more than you care about my grace on Nineveh. So I'm taking my grace away. The vine's gone. Let's send the worm to chew it. That worm was really cute in VeggieTales too, by the way, wasn't he? You know, the little worm that ate the thing. And uh, man. And, uh, and now there's no vine. And then it says God tried to emphasize his point by sending this, this hot wind. And, and, I, and I looked up some people that, on, on the hot wind that God sent. I want to read you a little section on what this might have been like. Uh, during the period of the Sirocco, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but, but they're talking about this hot wind. The temperature rises steeply and sometimes even climbing during the night. Climbing during the night. That's a wonderful idea. And it remains high, about 16 to 22 degrees above the average. At times, every scrap of moisture seems to have been extracted from the air so that one has the curious feeling that one's skin has been drawn much tighter than usual. Sirocco days are peculiarly trying to the temper and tend to make even the mildest people irritable and fretful and snap at one another for apparently no reason at all. Jonah, snap, you know, I mean, <laughs> not good. And, and, he, and he's out there and this wind is coming at him. And again, he's just hoping that God judges Nineveh, send the fire, but he's feeling the heat. And he just wants a little bit more grace for the vine to grow. Why Why'd you do this to me, God? I love my vine. Um, number two then, uh, you see it on the screen. Jonah loved his plant. He loved it. He hated Nineveh. He loved his plant. He loved it. A lot of things I could say about this, but I'll just say this. <clears throat> Have we loved our comforts more than... We've loved people that are going to hell. Have we loved our comfort? Um, I used to take our youth group kids in Watoma to Dare to Share, and, and their phrase that they say a lot in their conferences is, awkward is awesome, you know, <laughs> which is kind of a good thing, I think, because you've got to get through to your head that if you share the faith with somebody, it could get awkward, right? It's uncomfortable. And, and I, I learned this, I mean, we were, we were sharing the gospel with our neighbors, invited them to church. One Sunday I was preaching and they came to church, shared the gospel. They prayed with me to receive Christ. We celebrated. This is wonderful. They're believers. They're our neighbors. This is everything we wanted. And then sin came up. And we had to talk about a sin issue. A real offense that if we let it go, it wouldn't have been right to leave it, let it go. It wasn't like one of those, we're just going to harp on you for, you keep swearing, you shouldn't swear anymore, you're a Christian. It wasn't like that. It, w- it was like, this is an issue I have to talk about. So we talked about it. And now we're the bad guys. And I'm just like, what? You know, I, I know what Satan does. And if you've been here, you know, and if you gave your life to Christ, um, I wouldn't be surprised if a day later... 24, 48 hours, Satan's on your back, you know, doing something to try to mess up what you've decided to do, what you, who you decided to follow. So, um, I get it. I don't want awkward stuff with my neighbors. 
that, that's hard because I'm not, it's like I'm not moving. I want to stay where I'm at. And if they stay where they're at, I'm going to see them for a lot of years. And, and your coworkers, you bring it up with them. Again, you're going to see them every day. But the question is, do you like the comfort of having that fence between you and them and, and, and the distance that provides? Or do you really love the fact that Christ has died to save that person from hell and, and, and you love them enough to tell them about it? Well, which is it? And so I've heard, I've heard religious people, write, I've seen the articles from people that say, if you're on an airplane with somebody, don't use that time to evangelize because they just want to get from one point to another. I'm like, well, that's two hours in the air, three hours in the air. Maybe they're going across the world and it's 20 hours in the air. But how long is hell? You know? I mean, I mean you compare these two things and you go, it's, it's just not even... The awkwardness of the moment means nothing. And I know I can say that and I can encourage it and it's hard to get me sometimes to step over that awkward feeling and do it. I'm like you, often. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't feel like, relationally, I feel like I can do it up front pretty well because it kind of goes with my gift of preaching. I'm more comfortable doing it up here than I am, you know. But I got to do it. And you got to do it. We have to do it. We have to love people enough to tell them they're heading to hell. So the rest of this month, and let me make two conclusions here, and then we'll, we'll be calling it quits for the morning. Um, and we'll sing one more song. Uh, two conclusions that I just want to make real quick. This is the interpretation part. don't want to spend a lot of time on it because we're going to be unpacking this the rest of the month. First conclusion, uh, everyone's on a spiritual journey. Everybody's on a spiritual journey. Everybody. Your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers. And, and as bad as some of those people might be, they're on a journey possibly away from God. And then there's other people that are on a spiritual journey and they're walking closer and closer to God. And they're interested. Can you tell the difference? Can you see into the heart? to know which person feels like they're seeking and which person is like antagonistic. Maybe the antagonist has spoken loud and proud about how much they hate God. Maybe they've been the Penn Jillette and they've gone on the record saying, I am an atheist. <laughs> That's who I am and I don't believe the Bible. He's spoken a lot on that. But I think for the most part, we don't know how interested people really are. And we also don't get the fact that Every single person on the planet, I'm guessing, has thought about, is God real? What do I do about that? The atheist has thought about that question. The person that's walking away from God has thought about that. So, I know I like to talk to people that are seeking, because <laughs> they want, they're hungry. But I also got to talk to this, seeker, that this person who's walking the other way, because that person's thought about it too. And we can talk. And we can dig some stuff up. And this month, I want to talk about how we have conversations. What do we say to them? And I'm preaching to myself as much as I am anybody else. Everyone's on a spiritual journey, and God has called us to enter into the spiritual journeys of other people. That's the second conclusion. God has called us to walk alongside people, to run up to the person that's going this way and saying, Do you know where you're walking? Do you know which direction you're going? 
and, and, and lovingly, in a sane way, just like you saw in the video, tell them. God has called us to be a co-journer with people that are walking to hell or walking closer and closer maybe to a relationship with Christ. So I'm inviting you to come back and to be excited about that and to think about the reality of hell, to think about whether Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames is a good uh, choice for you to take someone to, but to know that you've got to do that follow-up question, even if it's awkward, what did you think about that? Did you make a decision that day? Well, well, what happened? Do you want to follow Christ? If you do, do you want to come to church with me? If you do, you want to go to my small group? Do you, do you want to look at a Bible verse every morning together before we go to work or whatever? I'm encouraging us to be a co-journey. I want to close with a quote from uh, Spurgeon, uh, Charles Spurgeon. Here you go. He says, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. Spurgeon. Man, let's pray. Jesus, uh, we're glad that you warned us. We're glad that you told us that we shouldn't fear people that can kill our body. We should really fear the one that could destroy both soul and body in hell. I'm glad that you warned us that it'd be better to go into the next life without an eye or to use the eye to sin and go to hell. I'm glad you warned us. And I pray that as Christians we could lovingly talk to people. I pray that the next four sermons this month help us get on the same page to lovingly tell people the truth even though we know it can be awkward, it can be offensive, it can hurt but I pray that you'd stir up a desire in us to love people well the way you love. I pray that the power of your love, that we're going to sing about again in just a second, that the power of your love would move powerfully through us. Help us, God. Because so often we lack the right motivation. Help us. In Christ's name, amen. to you
be changed. Renewed. morning and you don't know the power of Christ's love, we wanted to say the cross and the resurrection, this is the power of Christ. Christ died on a cross to forgive you for what you've done wrong. You deserve hell, Christ took it on the cross. If you want that gift, I want to give you a chance to respond. If we could bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you say, you know what, I want that gift, it's not, you know, hell's a scary place, but I want to love and follow this Jesus. I want to accept this free gift of salvation that's offered to me this morning from Jesus. If that's you, would you put your hand up and we will pray together. If you're like, oh, that's me. I need this. I need this. 
All right, let's pray together. Jesus, please take my sin away. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for the power of your love that drew me in today. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for saving me. Make me that new person. In Christ's name, amen. For those of you that have given your life to Christ recently, you know, I just want to encourage you to think, and maybe fear was part of that judgment thing, you know, like, there's judgment, that's scary, but um, 1 John says that perfect love casts out fear, because fear has to do with judgment. So the power of Christ's love, when you start following Jesus, there should be no more fear of hell. Instead, you should be concerned about other people that are going there. But perfect love casts out fear. If you end up going to heaven's gates, hell's flames, and bringing someone to it, I just encourage you to have that conversation and make sure that person turns the corner if they made a decision for Christ to say, I, I, I've done with the fear of hell. Let's get going on loving Christ because he loved me so well. And that love will cast out that fear that they felt that night and that will be done because now they're in a new place. Use the tool wisely if God leads you. Um, next three nights, 7 o'clock p.m. Um, uh, I also want to encourage you, uh, I was thinking about this a lot uh, this morning, just in, a little unsettledness in my soul. Um, would it be kind of fun, people that stay for the prayer thing, do you want to like go to Eric's thing today, maybe? And we'll just kind of encourage him there and do that. Is that cool? Good? Let's plan on that then. Uh, so we'll, I think we'll uh, not do the prayer thing this morning. If you normally stay, I want to support that class in a big way. I'm really excited about that. And so let's pray and be dismissed. Jesus, uh, I pray that we go and we do your work. I pray that we go and love people well. I pray that we go and are able to share the hope that we have. Thank you for, uh, thank you for a salvation that can, be never, that can never be taken away, for an inheritance saved up for us. Thank you that your new life starts now. I pray for success for this uh, event in Rhinelander that uh, it truly would call people into a real relationship with you. I pray you'd use it for that purpose. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Good job. Good job. Thank you.